human dignity through social, political, and economic change. And the way that we do that is we work with our clients to bring together two things, strategies from the world of marketing and strategies of the, from the world of political campaigns to make sure that they can meet their change-focused goals. So if you think about if a corporate marketing firm and a social justice organization had a baby, it would be Havelina. And all of our clients want to create meaningful change in the world uh, in different ways in their communities. And it's our honor, honestly, to get to work with them to do their work. And messaging and storytelling is a really important part of that. It's an important part of that always, uh, but it's particularly an important part of that right now. And in the last few weeks, we have been helping our clients do two main things. One is to develop their communication strategies for these unprecedented times. And then the other is to leverage communication so that they can meet their existing goals in new ways. And today I want to touch on both of those things. Um, like I said, there's a, a lot that goes into um, to communication strategy and uh, hopefully there'll be tangible takeaways for everybody in today's content. To start us off, I really want to start by telling a story. Uh, there's a lot that goes into communications uh, strategy and crisis communication strategy, but for me, there's one core point uh, that I want to start off with. So when I was younger, I am from the UK originally, and I grew up in the middle of the UK in a city called Birmingham. And uh, in the summer, we would go and visit my grandparents in Bournemouth, which is in the south, for two weeks. And if we got lucky, it didn't rain all of the time. And we spent as much as, uh, of the time as the time as we could at the pool, either at water parks or uh, at the local public pool. And me and my brother were just both complete water babies. And we got very used to being told over and over and over and over, do not run around the pool. And I'm sure this is very, uh, something that's very familiar to all of you. I think particularly if you grew up in Arizona and you're around a lot of pools in the summer, your parents or other, other responsible adults always telling you, don't run at the pool, don't run at the pool, don't run at the pool. And we were always told, you don't run at the pool because the surface is slippery and you might fall and hurt yourself. And so you do not run. And every time when me and my brother were playing, we'd get out of the pool and go and chase each other. One of our parents would yell at us, don't run, don't run. So fast forward a few years when I was in high school, I had to take a super basic lifeguarding class um, as a part of our health class. And we had a lifeguard come in and do a training with us. And he was asking us all to remember when we were kids and we were told you don't run at the pool and asking us, why are you told that you don't run at the pool? And we said, you know, because you might fall. And he said, yes, that's true. But really the reason that you are told by a lifeguard to not run at the pool is that running creates panic. And if you create panic around a large body of water that a lot of people are involved in, the, a lot of people are using, the likelihood of an accident happening exponentially goes through the roof. And so the reason you are really told not to run at the pool is to not create panic. Because panic, much like a virus, sadly, gathers speed and spreads. If one person panics, the two people next to them are more likely to panic, and the three people next to them are more likely to panic. And before you know, you have a large-scale dangerous situation around a large body of water. 
And that idea of don't run at the pool is the foundational idea that I want to share around effective crisis communications. That if you panic, you will create panic in the people that rely on you, whether it's your team, whether it is your clients, whether it's your community. And the number one rule is don't panic. And so today what we're gonna talk about is knowing that the number one lesson is that we don't run at the pool, then what do we do? And we're going to talk about what is the definition of effective crisis communications and then how does that translate into action? And that's what we're going to go through today. It is worth noting at this point that usually crisis communications is something we often use to describe when an organization has made a mistake. Uh, think maybe a dog died on a United Airlines flight or Pepsi made a racist ad and the organization has to figure out how do we communicate through this. This is a little bit different. It's different because everybody is responding to the same set of circumstances. And it's also different because it isn't because any of your organizations made a mistake. And yet the process behind how you come up with the effective crisis communication strategy is kind of the same. Uh, so we're going to talk about what does that look like and how do you practice it? in a daily basis. And then of course, like I said, we will leave a lot of time for Q&A. Okay, so we're gonna start off with um, a poll so I can get a sense of how everybody um, feels. So Chelsea, I'll pass it over to you for um, explanation here. Great, so I just launched a poll. If you can respond to the poll that I just launched um, in the next like 10, 15 seconds, um, just your quick, quick answer to this question, um, and then we'll share the answers in just a moment. Fun thing about Zoom is being able to do these polls, and it's really cool because I feel like a game show host, and I can see all the lines moving and, and everything. Um, so, so far, we're about neck and neck with A+, feeling good, and here for some pro tips, and um, C, some good, some bad, but looking to improve. And then one person who said that they're feeling like they're failing. So they're doing the D minus. So awesome. get your vote in. We'll go for three more seconds. Two, one. Cool. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for um, participating. And that gives me a really great sense of where we're at. And so the good news is that I think for whether on any of these um, letter grades that you gave yourself, there is um, some information here, but I'll be sure to skew my content toward the uh, A plus and C sort of feeling. So that's really helpful for me. Okay, so moving on to the next slide. So let's start off by defining what we mean by effective crisis communication. And the way that I understand effective crisis communication is that it is serving your organization and advancing your purpose during volatile times through proactive and disciplined messaging to your stakeholders. So the thing that I want to point out a couple of things about this definition. First of all, the goal, the first part of the sentence is about serving your organization and advancing your purpose. So the goal isn't about responding to what's happening or it isn't even really to give the people that you're talking to what they need. 
it is important to remember that effective crisis communications does this two things. It serves your organization and it advances your purpose during volatile times. And how you do that is through proactive and disciplined messaging to your various organizations. So the biggest mistake that organizations make is reacting, saying the first thing that comes to mind without following a process. In other words, they run at the pool. And while things often feel urgent, I find over and over and over taking a little bit of time to take deep breaths and think through an intentional response is always worthwhile. And what you feel like you might be losing in time, you make up in the quality of the response that you're able to coordinate. It's also really important to remember that right now, audiences, the people that you're talking to, have more grace and understanding than ever before, and they are hungry for leadership. Usually when I'm talking to an organization about crisis communication, it's because they've done something wrong and their target audiences have little grace, patience, or understanding. We're a little bit flipped this time around. The people you're talking to will understand that you are not necessarily gonna get it perfect at first try, and it's really important to remember that as you're crafting your response, because that's different than might be the case when I, if I was talking about crisis communication with you at another time. And then back to what I said is that everybody's hungry for leadership. And I think we've seen this sort of on the governmental level that we've seen leadership uh, from governors of states and also from leadership of cities and towns and then leadership from business owners. And leadership in our community can come from lots of different places. And this is your opportunity really to provide leadership for the people that are looking to you. So effective crisis communications is not responsive or reactive, I should say. It instead sits on top of a very intentional process. So let's talk about what that process is. And Chelsea, you can go on to the next. Thank you. So it comes down to four questions. And I will say that this is a step-by-step -step process that you can follow to develop communication strategy over and over. It's very relevant right now, but it also works at other times. So the, the, um, the order is one, what are our objectives? What is the goal that we are trying to set with our communications? Two, who are we talking to? Three, what is our story? What are the literal words that we use uh, as we're communicating? And then four, what is the strategy? What are the methods that we're using to get our messages out into the world? So I'm gonna talk about each one in a little bit more depth. So here's the next slide. The first one is, what are our objectives? So the thing to think about here is, what are the goals for your communications? And what all organizations are being forced to do, and this is some for, easier for some people more than others, is to revisit your existing goals. Like you will have had probably communications goals in the first part of this year, and it can be mentally difficult to let go of those, but I would encourage you to and think, you know, what does our communications need to achieve for us right now? Some examples might be, is the goal of your communications to make your team feel more secure? Is it to retain your customer base? Is it to attract new customers? Is it to let your community know what is going on or what they should do? And developing a, a list of clear goals for this period of time of what you want your communications to achieve will set you up for far greater success. 
And then, like I said, COVID-19 requires flexibility and responsiveness. You might have one set of objectives and then in a week you update them again and that's okay. So if we move on to the next slide, we have an, another poll. So I'm curious to know how much you know right now about your communications goals. So if you can take a few seconds to answer this uh, poll and then Chelsea will let us know how the results are looking. I feel like we should have Jeopardy music to play right now. <laughs> or like survey says. If I was a singer and I would sing the Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> no, 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 you're gone soon. <laughs> cool. Let's give it a few more seconds. I'm gonna count it down. Five, four, three, two, one. Alrighty, so the winner is the first one that's got six responses, have a pretty clear idea about what their comms are. Um, only one person said that they have external communications down but hadn't thought about their inter internal communications at all. Um, and then the last response that uh, got five responses was I've done a good job of talking to my team but not to the outside world so much. That was five responses you said? Yeah, five. So pretty evenly split by the first and the third choice. Perfect. So for those of you that answered that you have a pretty clear idea about what your comms needs to achieve, both inside and outside, that's fantastic. And it'll stand you um, in great stead for the next uh, steps in the process. For those that have said that you've done a good job of talking to your team, but not the outside world, uh, that's also a really great position to be in because now as we're navigating through the rest of it, maybe keep the other side of that uh, communication strategy in mind. Like, what are you saying to the outside world and what are the goals there? And then for the person that answered, um, you have external comms down, but you hadn't thought much about your internal comms, same thing, like keep that in mind as we keep going through this content. My overarching advice for everybody um, with the, developing the strategies to keep it simple. One of the things that's dangerous about answering, asking these wide, open questions like what are our communications goals right now is it means you can come up with a list of you know 10 things and i think the more essential you can keep it the better so when answering all of these questions try and stick to like two or three things at most for each step of the strategy okay so moving on to the second step which is who are our target audiences who are we talking to and for all of you, they're gonna fall into these broad categories. Your clients or your customers or the people you serve, your vendors, collaborators, and partners, your community and your team. And within those target audiences, you can get a little bit more specific. So let's say your clients or your customers for us would, you know, one of our target audiences is medium-sized nonprofits that are advancing social justice issues in their uh, neighborhoods in their communities. So that is one of the target audiences. So the more specific you can get in these categories, the best. If helpful, it can be really useful to put these in order so that you have clarity of who your most priority target audiences are. So for us, as we were developing our communication strategy, our order was team. It was most important to talk to our team first so they knew exactly where we stand and what the plan is and how they're impacted. Then it was clients, 
how are clients impacted? How are we adjusting? How can we make sure that we are working to meet their goals in new ways? Then it was our partners, our collaborators, our vendors. How were they impacted? What are we doing to make sure that, that our work is, uh, is not interrupted? And then it was our community. What can we offer to serve them in these times in line with our core services? Okay. So once you have a sense of uh, who your target audiences are, the next step is what is our story? And what we mean by what is our story is quite literally, what are the words we are specifically saying? So there's three concepts I want to say, share here that I think might be helpful. And Chelsea, if you wouldn't mind flicking forward two slides and then we'll come back in a second. Great. Okay, so the first concept I want to share is this distinction between branding and marketing. And for some of you, this will be super familiar. And then for others, it might be new. But I think it's a very important distinction to make because it'll really help you figure out what the tactics are of your, of your strategy. So these two words get thrown around all the time and they get used interchangeably, but they're very different. So your brand is your organization's personality. It lives in your organization's vision, your purpose, your mission, your values, and your message. And just like a person's personality, it might evolve over time, but it doesn't fundamentally change. It's pretty static. Your brand should reflect who you are at your core as an organization. And it really should speak to why you do what you do. The most important thing to know about your organization's brand is it is developed by looking inward. And so you look inside to understand at our core, who are we and why do we do what we do? Marketing on the other, on completely the other end of the spectrum are the techniques and tactics that you use to communicate your brand to the outside world. They live in your communication, your outreach, they're reflected in your daily internal and external communications. Marketing strategies do change. They shift and change with your organization's goals and market realities. And so market realities have completely changed. They are very, very different than they were six, years, six weeks ago. Uh, and therefore, your marketing strategies really should be changing right now. The important thing to know about marketing strategies is that while branding is developed by looking inward, marketing strategies are developed by looking outward. What is going on in the world? What is going on with our target customer? What do they need? And how can we meet that need? And so when you are figuring out what does our communication strategy look like, it is really helpful, I think, when you think about the various things that you are doing to slot it into, was well, this a branding thing or a marketing thing? Because if it's a branding thing, it won't change. Like here are the things that aren't gonna change right now. Your name, your, the the way you describe your services, your logo, your color palette, um, why you do what you do, what is important to you, who, what your core services are. And then the things that are gonna change are the tactics that you're using to get your name out there, the things you're spending money on, um, the people that you're reaching out to, the idea you use to meet your existing goals in new ways. And the biggest mistake that I see made in this arena is that organizations, in order to, 
to be responsive to what's happening right now is they change things that fall into their brand. The most common one being their core offerings. And they wander outside, you know, to use um, nonprofit language, you see mission creep. They wander outside of what their core offerings are in an, an attempt to be responsive when really your brand should not shift and your marketing strategies are the things that should shift. So when you are thinking about changing things and you're looking at those communications goals, run it through the quick branding versus marketing litmus test when you ask, you know, is this a branding thing that I'm going to change or a marketing thing? I want to take a breath um, before I move on and see if there are any questions on that because it's, I think, a really important and hopefully helpful concept. Don't have any questions yet. Okay. So if you can uh, flip backwards for me two slides. So the other thing um, that I want to share here is the difference between internal and external communication. So we've touched on this a little bit already, um, but how you talk to your team internally and how you talk to the outside world are going to be different. You are going to tell your team things about you know, how their hours might be impacted, how their pay might be impacted, that you're not necessarily going to share with the outside world. And you might offer things to the outside world that might not be relevant for your team. And so again, when you're developing strategies, thinking, is this an internal or an external communication idea can be a helpful uh, thing to ask yourself. And then the one paragraph response. So if there is one thing, one action you take from this presentation, it should be this, which is de essentially developing a one paragraph summary of what your response is to COVID-19 as an organization. And you update it as things change and you post it on your website, on your social media, anywhere else that might be relevant and you link back to it in all communications. So let's say you have your one paragraph response on your website, like this is what we are changing because of COVID-19. And then every time you send out an email to your list, you link back to the one paragraph response that's housed on your website. And the thing that's important about the one paragraph response is you, at, when you're communicating, in your head, it follows a story arc. Like you send the first message and then you send the second message and then you send the third message and it all builds on top of each other. But you don't know where your audience intersects or where they really truly understand things. So they might see your first response and feel like they understand what you're doing as an organization, but they might see your third email that doesn't really reference COVID-19 at all and be confused about what your organization is doing. The other thing about this one paragraph response is it serves as the boilerplate language, if you will, for your internal team to know how to communicate out to the outside world. So let's say, for example, that you are a part of a nonprofit organization and you have a board of directors who in all of their different jobs and all of their different lives are, have all kinds of challenges that they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. If you can share the one paragraph response with them and just say, if anyone asks you questions about what you're doing, it essentially is summarized here. And in the one paragraph response, you will want to include details about what has changed for your organization because of what's going on, where um, people should direct questions, and then any other pertinent details that you want your external communications to, um, your external communications to tell people. So 
if we go to the next slide, I'm curious, um, how many of you have a one paragraph response written already or something that's equivalent to a one paragraph response? So if you can just um, take a few seconds to fill out that quick poll, that'd be great. Alrighty. So as we're rolling in, this one is fairly split throughout all the options. Four is kind of is leading with no not or you mean not four. Number three is leading with no not yet. And then the other two responses are are split. Um, two people that have responded that they have it on their website and social and three people responding that sort of they sent out a message and, that they can repurpose into a statement for their website and social media. Great. So it sounds like if this one's pretty split, I'm going to talk about all three Ooh. of them and what We just got a little bit more of a response. Sorry, Catherine. And it, it's more to the sorry, sort of. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm still waiting. That's good. It, everyone's popping in. Okay. Ending poll. You got it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm going to talk about each one of these and then I saw um, that somebody had written in the chat that um, that theirs is longer than a paragraph and that's fine. The reason that I say um, a one paragraph response is because it keeps it short and concise and the if you are sharing this one paragraph response with your board or your staff or your clients and that they are also going to be potentially share verbally saying some version of this one paragraph response out in the community. The shorter it is, the more likely that the most important parts of that message will get repeated in the way that you would want them repeated. And the longer it is, the easier it is to sort of get lost in translation. And so I think that even if you have a longer response, it can be really helpful to have kind of a one paragraph summary at the top and then four more information with additional information below it. Um, so if you have your one paragraph response and it's on your website and social, awesome. If you are not already, the next step is to update it regularly. So make sure that you are updating it at least weekly or checking in with it at least weekly to see if it has changed. And then the other thing to do there, if you do have your one paragraph response, is to make sure that any of your stakeholders who might be communicating on your behalf have it and are familiar with it. And you're directing them that, hey, if anybody asks you out in the community how our organization is impacted, this is kind of what you should say so that everybody is singing from the same song sheet. If you sort of do, you have sent out some sort of message and you could pretty easily repurpose it into a statement for your website and social media, that would be a great use of your time in the next week. Go back, find the message or the messages that you could adjust a little bit, uh, change, shorten it down if it needs to be shortened down, uh, change it with anything that any latest developments that might not be reflected, and then add it to your website and your social media. And then no, if you don't have that yet, don't panic. Back to my previous advice, keep it simple. Like really do stick with, uh, this, is, this is what we're doing. Keep it just a few seconds long. And in a few slides, I'm gonna have some do's and don'ts around messaging that I'll share that I think will be really helpful for developing the, um, the one paragraph response. Okay, uh, so if you go one more forward. So what is our strategy? So at this point, you know your goals, 
you know your target audiences, you know the story, the specific words that you are saying, and now we move on to what is the strategy. And in short, the, your communication strategy comes down to the specific tactics or method that you are using to reach people. And as I said, current times are really demanding that organizations reevaluate what you may already be doing. So a really good way to do that is to run through these three questions. What will we stop? What we will, will we continue? And what will we start? Sometimes it is very easy for us to keep doing things that actually aren't vital right now, just because we're used to doing them. And when you have precious time and resources, and let's be honest, less energy, many of us find that we have less energy than we did in quote unquote normal life. I certainly am finding that it's taking me more energy just to do the basic daily tasks of getting through life. And so stopping things that are not serving your organization in these times is really, really important. And so deciding what you're not doing can be just as important as deciding what are the things that we're going to start or continue. So I'm going to share a bunch of ideas here. Um, you know, the thing about marketing tactics is I could talk for another hour about all the things that you could do. And it's really finding the things that work for you. And so I'm going to share some ideas, um, but these are the, um, the, what's the word, the criteria to use to figure out what might work best for you. Uh, so, you know, always come back to your target audiences and what they need and always come back to your goals. It is very, very, very easy. And this is another big mistake I see people uh, making is like the shiny penny syndrome where you see another brand do like with some cool funny video that went viral or they're trying um, a new form of digital engagement to reach out to people and you think oh we should do that and it's very very easy to have the shiny penny syndrome and i actually do it for myself all the time and so always coming back to what are our communications goals and who are our target audiences and what do those target audiences need are really, really important when you're deciding whether you are gonna do something or not. So asking your customers what their needs are is a really great place to start. Telling your story. So this is the one I think that is really easy to overlook. Every single business and entity right now is adjusting, every single one. Um, and the, you know some are impacted far more immediately than others and some are impacted far more gravely than others. And the ways that we're adjusting are different, but in different ways, every single organization is having to adjust. And so recording those adjustments and sharing them through your communications is the most important thing to do right now. So if you have a team that are doing um, Zoom calls all the time, take a screenshot and share it. You know, this is our team. Ask everybody to wear a funny hat. Um, this is our uh, team doing our, our staff meeting via Zoom call this week. If you are offering services in new ways for your existing customers, record that and share that via your social media. Make sure that you're telling your story of what you do. And it comes back to this idea of don't wander outside of your core services or your core offerings or your core purpose. Make sure that you're telling your story to your audience in a way that's relevant to them. Um, so a couple of examples of sort of uh, that I've seen of people telling their stories. So people running for office, 
right now have had to suspend typical uh, campaign activities because fundraisers and going door to door are off limits right now. So what I've seen a lot of people doing is running errands for their constituents and then posting pictures, sharing videos of those errands being run. Or a nonprofit might demonstrate on, the, on your social media how people are being served remotely. So if you used to do an in-person training with your constituents and you're now doing it on video call, document that and show that to your, um, on your social media, but also to your email list, to your board, to your various target audiences. Test and iterate. So there are lots of different things that you could try right now. Um, and you know, as you are experimenting, I think now is a great time to be trying new things and testing new ways to communicate, but just do one thing at a time, test it, see how it goes, and then incorporate the lessons that you learn um, as you go along. A couple of things to keep in mind as you're testing and iterating. Now is a really great time, if you never have before, to experiment with video. It doesn't have to be super high tech or um, overly produced. It can be very organic, very um, at home on your iPhone. Video, uh, internet usage is up around the country, 50%, which is huge. And um, we're seeing that the most in video. The consumption of online video has gone through the roof compared to March. The other thing that is really interesting in terms of change of behavior is that um, in you know, early March, 85 to 90% of media consumption happened on a mobile device, whereas now 90% of consumption uh, in the last two months of March was happening on a desktop because, or on a computer, on a laptop, because um, people are home more. And so um, keeping in mind that the things are changing and now is a great time to test different, um, different ideas. Keeping in mind, of course, that you should do quality over quantity and try to resist that shiny penny syndrome and doing too much. Setting clear roles. So being really clear when it comes to communications on who on your team is responsible for what, who is in charge of internal comms, who's in charge of external comms. And this is a really important point for crisis communications. Who has final say? Being very clear on who is responsible. If you think about it of who is the final set of eyes on our one paragraph response before it goes on the website, and what do we do if that person is not available? And th just answering those two simple questions is the beginnings of a really robust crisis communications plan. And then I touched on this already, but updating your one paragraph response regularly. Okay, so our do's and don'ts. So this refers um, to communications in general, but there's a couple of things here that I think are really important for your messaging and the words that you're using as you're developing your one paragraph response or if you're updating your one paragraph response. So the number one thing I really wanna emphasize is in this top left-hand corner is don't stop asking. If you're a nonprofit, don't stop asking for donations. If you are a business, don't stop asking for customers. If you're a political campaign, do not stop asking people to vote for you. It is very, very easy right now, particularly if you're fundraising or really asking for anyone to part with money in any kind of way. It's very, very easy to say that it feels super weird to ask people for something right now. And I completely, completely get it. 
but to stop asking is to assume that your work isn't important and can't add value right now. And that just simply is not true. In fact, for most of you, your work is more important now than ever. So continue asking and whether you're asking for donations, whether you're asking for sales, whether you're asking for some sort of partnership or volunteerism, your return on those asks might fall a bit, but you might find that it actually increases. People right now are desperate to help. They want to do something to help others. And each and every one of you offers something that enables people to do that. And when I think an important way to do it, moving on to the do side of this point, is to be really clear about why you're asking and to frame your ask around current events. Talk about COVID-19, the additional need it is creating in our community and the specific way that you, your organization, your service is positioned to meet that need. Be super clear about why you're asking. Direct, clear communication is kind and it is okay. In fact, in fact it's super powerful to say, look, it's super hard to ask you for money right now. And we are pushing ourselves to ask you, knowing that you might not be able to help, but because there are many in our community that are really relying on giving. And if you are able, this is how you do it. It is okay to get super vulnerable around that. And then the most powerful thing would be to think about, to reframe how you are thinking of asking others to do things, whether it's to buy something or to donate money or to donate a time is instead of thinking about it as taking something from people, think about it instead that you are giving them an opportunity to give to and invest in others. And like I said, people really, really want to help. And that is honestly always true, whether you're doing fundraising or sales, that is always true. It's always hard to ask people to part with their money. But I think it's even, that mindset is even more um, important now. And then the second one, don't focus on only on what you're not doing, but instead communicate what you're doing instead to serve your customers and community. And so this is very easy to do, to sort of in your one paragraph statement, you have a list of things you're not doing where, you know, this event was canceled, these store hours are closed, this is what you can't access as a customer anymore. But instead, really focus on what, how you've pivoted to serve your customers and communities in new ways. Don't pander to new customers or services outside of your expertise. We talked about that already. Um, don't try just a bunch of random ideas that you see other people do. We talked about that. Instead, always come back to what is our goal? Who is our target audience? Don't run at the pool. Um, be super clear of who is in charge of communicating what and to whom. And then don't get too overwhelmed with new initiatives and ideas, but instead tell your story deliberately and consistently. So I think if you are going to come back to um, two ideas here that I think, I hope are the most um, valuable, it's, I guess it's three things. One, don't run at the pool. Two, develop a one paragraph response. And three, don't stop asking. <laughs>